I think at one time or another, uh, many people that are exploring the Christian faith uh, have asked this question, why do bad things happen to good people? And uh, I don't think it's necessarily so much a question that, that those of us who have received Christ as our Savior and as our Lord uh, put our life in His hands and are trusting Him with our life as our Lord and Savior. I don't think it's so much a question that we ask. Uh, I think probably a question, maybe we've not even put it this way before, but it's very much like that, but kind of a little different focus. I think that question might be, why do bad Christians happen to good people? Why do bad Christians happen to good people? Now, there's a question that's worth answering. And uh, we, I'm not asking for a show of hands, but I think every one of us has known someone, goes to church all the time, and, and yet, you know, let us down, betrayed us, stabbed us in the back, lied about us, gossip, you know, something like that. How does that even happen? Why do bad Christians happen to good people? Well, I think what we're going to look at today is going to really help us answer this question as we continue our series called Father, Son, and the other one, as we're focusing on the Holy Spirit. Week number five uh, in our series right now. Uh, before we jump in, I just want to give a big shout out to our Poughkeepsie campus. We love you guys. We, we're uh, always just walking step by step together and uh, really excited about what's happening as we, we talk about our Poughkeepsie campus, a permanent site. I uh, also want to give a big shout out to uh, those joining us online. Uh, hopefully everyone received juicy fruit when you came in. Just a little reminder, feel free to chew that uh, while you're listening. Uh, I'm not going to chew it right now because I can't preach and chew gum at the same time. I can walk and chew gum at the same time, but I can't preach and chew gum at the same time. Uh, but uh, in Poughkeepsie, enjoy your juicy fruit. That's a flavor of the 70s to me, uh, for sure. I love my juicy fruit. I'll have mine afterwards. But uh, online campus, sorry we can't reach through the screen and give you uh, a pack as well, but that's just a little reminder that all the, the grown-ups and, and uh, teenagers are, are receiving in our services today, uh, because that's what I really want to talk about is juicy fruit, that, that God intends so much more for you and for me by His Holy Spirit to cultivate in your life and in my life as followers of Jesus Christ. So if you have your Valley app, go ahead and open that up. And I think you're going to want to follow along and, and fill in the blanks there. Obviously, the first one, why do bad Christians happen to good people? And, and let's jump right in. Let's look at Jesus's words. In John chapter 15, in verse 5, the Bible says, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He's talking about his followers. He's talking about the relational connection. It's pretty cool, uh, this picture from agriculture. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who live in me, while I live in them, will produce a lot of fruit. But you can't produce anything without me. Think about this for just a minute. Jesus is saying to his followers, I'm the vine, you're the branches, you're the offshoot. And if Jesus is the vine and you and I are the branches, the Holy Spirit is the sap. The Holy Spirit is the sap, the sap that, that brings the nutrients, uh, that, that the vitamins to allow the fruit to be cultivated. And Jesus makes it real plain here when he says, those who live in me while I live in them. What is he talking about? Just what we've talked about over the last few weeks, that when we trust Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside every believer and gives them the power that we looked at last week, the power to live the life that God wants us to live, to fulfill his plan and purpose, his will, which is so much greater and so much bigger than any plan and purpose we ever have for ourselves. And so Jesus says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. Those who live in me while I live in them will produce a lot of fruit. 
Not bad stuff. Good stuff. Godly fruit. But you, uh, but you can't produce anything without me. That there's nothing that we can produce in our life that really will, will look like Jesus apart from disconnected from his Holy Spirit. So he says, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If I live in you and you live in me, you, you abide in me, you continue to you walk in me. The Bible word used sometimes is abide in me. As we talked about last week about in Christ, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, as Romans 8 tells us. He says, you're going to produce a lot of fruit. So again, for clarity's sake, following this analogy here that Jesus has given, he's the vine, we're the branches, and the Holy Spirit is the sap. The Holy Spirit is given the nutrients and the minerals, what? For us to grow and produce the fruit in our lives that Jesus intends for us to produce. And so when I think about fruit, this is found in a number of places through the New Testament, and I want to look at it now, uh, four levels of fruitful living. Four levels of fruitful living. Some of this you may be familiar with if you, you've, you've been in church for some time, uh, but, but some of it may actually be new to you uh, as well because not all this is talked about all the time. So four levels of fruitful living. Let, let's look at it now. First level is this, some fruit. Just develop some fruit, and that's fruit of repentance, fruit worthy of repentance. What's being talked about there? Well, in Luke chapter 3, verse 8, John the Baptist, this is when Jesus is just about to kick off his earthly ministry, and John the Baptist, he comes first. He's a prophet. He's preparing the way of the Lord, and he makes this statement, and it's really a, a, a charge to every follower of Christ for us, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. What is, what is repentance? Repentance is an outward change of direction that is motivated by an inward change of heart. That, that's the best way I know how to define repentance. An outward change of direction that's motivated by an inward change of heart. Because even as followers of Christ, the first thing we do to receive Christ, we repent of our sins. We turn from our sins. And, and we receive His work. His perfect, sinless life, His sacrificial death and His resurrection, His work for you and for me. And, and, and we repent, we turn from those things, we ask God to forgive us, and He does. Not because we deserve it, but because of what Jesus Christ has done. That's what repentance is. But, but, but we still kind of get stuck sometimes. We still get stuck, we still stumble. And, and so the first time we repent is the first of many, many times that when we blow it, when we, when we do our own thing, when we follow our own way and our own will, that we need to repent. And this is why the Scripture says, produce fruit in keeping with repentance. In fact, this fruit of repentance, it shows that we've turned from our sin. Our life changes because we've turned from a life that's focused on sin, doing what we want when we want it. And so there's fruit that comes. This is one of the major, major roles or activities of the Holy Spirit, and that is that he convicts us of sin. Now, a lot of people get tripped up with this, the difference between guilt and conviction. The difference between guilt and conviction. And, and let me just help you. Maybe in your former background, there, there's a, a number of denominations that, that really, really uh, just, just beat people over the head with guilt. There's, there's other expressions of the Christian faith. Uh, maybe, maybe even if you're recovering Catholic. Uh, I hear a lot of recovering Catholics that talk about the just latent guilt that they feel all the time. But remember, Romans 8, we talked about last week, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's not the gospel. That's not God's way. 
So, so let me just do a quick number of contrasts between guilt and conviction. Conviction is what God does by the Holy Spirit. Guilt is a whole other thing. So here's the first one. Guilt comes from people and from Satan. The devil always wants to make you feel guilty of what you've done. Always wants to make you feel guilty. So guilt comes from people and Satan. But conviction comes from the Spirit. Conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. Here's the second contrast. Guilt always points back to self. Conviction points back to God. Guilt points back to self. Conviction points back to God. In other words, when I feel guilty, it's just like I'm miserable, I'm failure, I'm worthless, I am no good. That's guilt. Conviction, in essence, is the Holy Spirit saying, Greg, you're better than that. Greg, I've got better for you. I want more for you. Don't settle. See, that's conviction, that I'm living below what God has for me. Huge difference. Guilt points back to me, just I'm an awful person. Conviction points to God. He wants to help me. I want to help you through this, Greg. You can overcome this with my strength and my grace. Guilt points back to self. Conviction points back to God. Here's the next uh, contrast here. Guilt causes hopelessness and reoccurrences. In in other words, when I feel guilty, I feel like there's no hope. I'm stuck in this. This is the way it's always going to be. Conviction causes hope and repentance. Guilt causes hopelessness. This is the way it always is going to be. And so I'm just going to keep on in that rut. Conviction, though, causes hope and repentance. You know what? I can change, not by my own strength, but I can change because of the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. And so, God, I turn away from this thing, this sin that I'm involved with. I turn to you for your strength and your grace, and I thank you for forgiveness. Huge difference there. Huge difference there. And then the next contrast, guilt creates remorse for getting caught. A lot of people feel guilty. They, they, they're, they're sorry, oh, man, I'm sorry I got caught that people found out. Now i got to stop. But conviction creates remorse for the sin committed. Fascinating when you think about King David who committed adultery and even had uh, Bathsheba's, the woman he committed adultery with, Bathsheba's husband murdered for all intents and purposes when, when, when the prophet came in and, and said, you are the man, you're the one who's done this. David, later on, he goes and writes one of the Psalms, and he goes, against you and you alone, God, have I sinned. Well, he was an adulterer, he was a murderer, but he recognized, I, I hurt you, God. My sin hurt you. I, I'm, not, I, 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 I'm not doing this because I got caught. I'm doing this because I realized the seriousness of my own sin. So, Guilt creates remorse for getting caught. Got my hand caught in the cookie jar. I feel bad about that. That's what guilt does. Conviction creates remorse for sin that's committed. So the first fruit, level of fruit that, that the Holy Spirit wants to develop in your life and in my life is, is some fruit, fruit worthy of repentance, that, that our life shows the change as we've turned away from our sinful ways and we've turned to the power of God in our lives Here's the second kind of fruit, more fruit. Fruitful in every good work, the Bible says. That we would be fruitful in every single good work. Look at what Colossians chapter 1 verse 10 says. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. This is what God's best is for you and me, that the way we live would always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. 
That, that when we're living the life that God wants us to, we're pleasing God with what we do, and our lives produce every kind of good fruit, all the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. This is a picture of the ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit in our lives all the time. See, after a, a tree, think about this just naturally, uh, after a tree produces a fruit, like an apple tree produces uh, a apple, an apple, it doesn't stop right there and say, okay, time out, done. It doesn't freeze. What is it? It continues to grow, and it continues to produce more and more fruit. And, and so even as a Christian, it doesn't matter, you know, like, hey, man, I made a big change in my life back in 1992, you know, but I, now I, I haven't done anything since then. There's no, no difference in my life. That's not the way it's supposed to be. That's why bad Christians happen to good people. They get stuck. They get stuck in what happened long, long time ago in their life, a, a change that the Holy Spirit made, and they're not continuing to grow. But listen again to the ongoing change and fruitfulness in this verse. Then the way you live will always honor, not just used to honor, always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit, not just one. All the while, continuing, it's a continual process, you will grow, always growing, never arriving. You will grow as you learn to know God better and better, as you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ by His Holy Spirit. And, and so that's what God wants for every single one of us, and it's just like we talked about last week, from the inside out living, the Holy Spirit working on the inside out of our lives, that we produce even more fruit, fruitful in every single good work. It's important to realize we're not the source of the fruit. So, so what it really means is the f cultivating these good works and all is really giving the Holy Spirit control, giving Him charge over our lives. It's not for us to like squeeze out fruit. You know, go to Barton Orchards or you know one of these orchards around uh, where we live. You, you don't hear apples squeeze, uh, apple trees squeezing, working on their fruit. It's just a natural part of growth. Same way for you and for me as Christians. We need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit, not teeth gritted. We need to just yield. Just God, what do you want? This is what I, I want what you want. I want to cooperate with the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. And that's where the power of Jesus Christ flows by the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. And it changes us. And you know what? As it changes you and me, as the Holy Spirit changes you and me, it changes, it impacts those around us as well. That's the good fruit. That's what God wants. Ongoing. Not just past. Also present and future that we would produce every good kind of fruit in our lives. And then here's the third, third level of fruitfulness, if you want to look at it that way, uh, a third level of fruitful living, and that is much fruit, being filled with the fruit of the Spirit, that our lives would be known, the hallmark of our lives would be known at, by the fruit of the Spirit. Now, now, you've probably heard this uh, before in Galatians chapter 5, uh, beginning in verse 22 and 23. It explains what the fruit of the Spirit is. Let's look at it. And I want to highlight a couple things that are important. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit. Now, notice there it's singular, it's not plural. In, in other words, it's like looking at a different facet of the diamond. That this is, this is the package, a whole package that the Holy Spirit wants to produce in your life, in your character, and in my character. 
the power to change and to actually live this kind of life. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Watch it now. It starts with love. There are many Bible scholars that say everything after this is just an aspect of love, that love is the singular fruit. All these other things that are going to be listed come out of love. Love is the fountain, if you will, the fountainhead. It's the source. It's the root system of all these things. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's what God wants for Greg Williamson. That's what God wants for you, too, as a follower of Jesus Christ. That by the Holy Spirit, cooperating with the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and my life, these aspects of the fruit of the Spirit would grow more and more and more and more every single day. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How does this happen? Well, well, a lot of times this fruit is cultivated by what the Bible says again, abiding in Christ Jesus. Abiding, that, that we're in Christ as we talked about last week. What does that mean? That the full weight of our life is in Him. Also, some, some of the ways that fruit is developed in our lives is not real pleasant to talk about, but Jesus talked about it, is pruning. Pruning. He, he said every fruitful branch is going to be pruned. Some things are going to be cut off so they can be even more fruitful. You, you know, you just don't let that tree go wild. God wants it to be beautiful and in, as fruitful as it possibly can be. God wants your life and my life to be as fruitful as it possibly can be. And, and so it involves pruning. It involves being filled with the Spirit. We're going to talk about that in just a couple of weeks. What does it mean? What is the Bible? Why is that so important to be that we're filled with the Holy Spirit? What about growing in the Word? Growing in God's Word is one of the ways that these things are cultivated in our lives, that we understand what God expects, and then we understand the power that He has given to us to empower us to live this life. It means Again, cooperating with the Holy Spirit's activity so that there's an overflow of, of new life to those and, and, and life-giving overflow to those around us. Jesus said, out of, your, out of your inner man will come rivers of living water. That's what he wants. And it's not for me. It, a river is, it's a river, not a reservoir. It's not to be held by me. It's rivers of living water that my life would impact, that your life would flow and impact those around us. And so we need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and allow Him to develop this type of character. doesn't matter how bad you used to be. This is what God wants to do in your life. This is what God wants to do in my life as well. Now, I'm not going to go much deeper on that uh, during our time right now, but I have included in your, your Valley app, there's all kinds of additional notes about the fruit of the Spirit. Because here's the thing, as you study these one by one, these words, uh, it's actually describing the character of Jesus Christ. That's what the fruit of the Spirit is. Why should we be surprised by that? Because uh, it was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus' life was marked by love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. Whatever happened to kindness? 
I don't even think about that. It's always right. It's always the right time to be kind. There's never a time to be unkind. That's the Holy Spirit in your life and my life. Always right to be kind, even when we're treated unkindly. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Just perseverance, just stick-to-itiveness. Just, just keep going because it's the right thing to do. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This is a description of who Jesus is, his character. And, and that's what the Holy Spirit wants to cultivate, this fruit of the Spirit, that that's the byproduct. See, it, it doesn't matter to me, what, next week we're going to talk about spiritual gifts, it doesn't matter to me what kind of spiritual gifts you have, that's all the Holy Spirit that gives those gifts. It says more about him than it does about you or me. This is what matters. This is what really shows who we are as a follower of Christ, how much we allow these things cultivate in our life. See, why do bad things, why do bad Christians happen to good people? Because they are not cooperating with the Holy Spirit. That's why. They, they could be in church three times every week, but if you're not cooperating with the Holy Spirit, your, mar your life will not be marked by, my life will not be marked by love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And this is what one day we'll stand before God and give an account for, the fruit that we've allowed the Holy Spirit to cultivate in our lives or we have worked against Him cooperating in our lives. This is what our eternal reward as Christians, we're in heaven, but this is what our eternal reward will be based on. Have we, what kind of fruit have we allowed the Holy Spirit to develop and cultivate in our lives? And so, four levels of fruitfulness. Some fruit, fruits worthy of repentance. More fruit, fruitful in every good work. Third one, much fruit filled with the fruit of the Spirit. And I encourage you to look at those additional notes. I have a chapter and verse for every single one of these qualities of the fruit of the Spirit. Again, describing the same thing from a different perspective, different facet of the fruit. And then here's the fourth level of, of fruitful living, eternal fruit. Eternal fruit. Fruit reproduced in others that you influence. See, see, this is the end game, if you will. It's never about me and mine when it comes to God. It's about working in my life and through my life, working in your life and through your life to influence other people. This is why we like to say you are where you are for his sake. No matter what your vocation is, your, your, your station is, that's your ministry location. When you go to the job, that God's placed you on that, that place, that location of your job to influence other people to have an impact, an eternal impact on others. Look at what Jesus said, John chapter 4. He says, you know the saying, four months between, again, agricultural analogy here. You know the saying, four months between planting and harvest. He goes, you know, you know what it is with farmers. You plant a seed, four months later you get a harvest. But I say, wake up and look around you. Jesus is talking to the crowd. The fields are already ripe with harvest. What is he talking about? He goes on and he says, the harvesters are paid good wages, watch this now, and the fruit that they harvest is people. The fruit that they harvest is people brought to eternal life. Jesus is saying it's about influencing other people toward the kingdom of God that they would find eternal life. 
That, that's what he's talking about. That's the end game. That's the fruit of our lives. How many people we're influencing for God's sake, for the kingdom of God's sake. He says the fruit that they harvest is people brought to eternal life. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. You know, and sometimes it, it, it's my role, sometimes it's my role that, that just to plant some seeds in someone's life, in a conversation, and then someone else comes along. And, and waters that seed with another conversation and another statement, another truth, you know, and just showing the love of Jesus Christ. And then someone comes along and they're there for that harvest when that person puts their faith in Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit works throughout all this and Jesus is saying, this is the harvest. This is the harvest that I expect. This is what I'm looking for. The, every single one of my followers, not just, listen, it's not about the professionals, he doesn't say clergy laity. That's nowhere in the Bible. It's every follower of Jesus Christ. And I'm so proud as a pastor uh, of Valley, how many times I hear people in our church that over coffee, you know, are out to get a dessert or, or uh, inviting someone into their home, their dinner, and people were putting their faith in Jesus Christ, not in a church service, but in a restaurant, in a Starbucks, in the cafeteria, you know, that, that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. That's, that's eternal fruit. And Jesus makes this great statement. What joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. There is no feeling on earth that when you see someone open their heart up and receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. And that is eternal reward. That is fruit that will continue and continue and continue. I love this. Look at John chapter 15. Jesus put it this way, you did not choose me. You, didn't cho you think you chose me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. Jesus said, if, if you chose me, you got something to be proud of. You have nothing to be proud of. I chose you. Same thing with me. I didn't choose Jesus. He chose me. I, I just believe Jesus is more right about it than any personal feeling I have or opinion. He says, you did not choose me. I chose you. Why? And I gave you this work. I gave you this work to do. Every one of his followers to go and produce fruit that will last. Fruit that will last. Fruit that isn't just gone in your lifetime. Fruit that will outlive you. I chose you to leave a legacy that outlives you. That's what Jesus is saying, in other words. To go and produce fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you anything you ask for in my name. Well, you know, I, uh, I'd like a Lamborghini. That's not what he's talking about, claiming a Lamborghini, for goodness sakes. How pathetic is that? Because that won't last. He's talking about you ask anything in my name that is going to bring eternal fruit. My Father will give it to you. Involved with God's work, not my work, not promoting Greg but doing God's work. You ask what you need to do my business, Jesus said, and my Father will give it to you. Not, not for your business, for my business. You put me first. Another place, we've heard this before, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. You put God first. You never lose putting God first. You always win. That's what he's saying. And it says, he says, Go and produce fruit that will last. Fruit that will last. The fruit is not just for you and for me. To be truly biblical as well and to be effective, 
Our growth process must include the people around us, impacting those that are around us. Just as, just as you pass on, if you're a parent and you pass on your DNA to your children, we're supposed to pass on, can I put it this way, our spiritual DNA to others. Our spiritual DNA to others. And that they would also pass on and go on and on and on and on. You know, sometimes I like to think about if you could spiritually speaking, just track your family. You know, it's a big thing about tracking your family heritage nowadays. Uh, and and uh, uh, if you could track, you know, you realize every single one of us, if you could do that, would go back to one of those 12 disciples. Every single one of us. That ultimately, right back to Jesus. Every single one of us. If you could just track your spiritual legacy, your inheritance, your an- spiritual ancestry. Man, that, that's pretty cool when you just think about that. Just kind of mind-blowing. Every single one. Because the disciples went out and they did exactly what Jesus was talking about. This means also passing on lessons that we've learned from past mistakes, from trials, from experiences, and the fruit that the Holy Spirit has birthed in our lives, that it's not just for us, it's to impact those around us. Now, listen. I cannot help but think, as, as my, my father, Russ Williamson, my stepmom, Melinda Williamson, are here this weekend. I can't help but think about the spiritual fruit of my father and my mother sharing their lives. My dad was an engineer at Georgia Pacific. Never in his wildest dreams thought to be a pastor. 1972, Georgia Pacific said, Russ, we're going to transfer you from Georgia. You can either go to Peekskill, New York, or Portland, Oregon. Choice is yours. They prayed about it and felt like God said, Peekskill, New York, starting a plant in Peekskill. We found a house. They came up, found a house off of Lake Walton Road, Angie Drive, off of Brescia, right here in Hopewell. The day we moved in, neighbors came and welcomed into the neighborhood. They said uh, to my dad, they said, do you know the the Bible? My dad said, well, sure. He'd been the head deacon at the Baptist Church in Brunswick, Georgia, First Baptist. They said, we've been praying that whoever bought this house would know the Bible and be able to teach us the Bible. My dad said, come back Friday night. We'll start a neighborhood Bible study. And that's what they did. And that one Bible study grew and grew and grew, living room full. I was just a kid. I was five years old at the time. He continued to work at Georgia Pacific. And then they started another Bible study because it outgrew our living room. Never had it in the wildest dream starting a church. And then in 1975, long story short, decided to merge those two Bible studies together and officially start what is now Valley Christian Church. 43 years ago. 43 years ago. You talk about fruit? My dad didn't go to Bible college. He pastored this church for 18 years. And, and, and I've been the senior pastor since then. Think about that. 43 year history of our church. Two senior pastors. And, and when, when, when the church started, when, when I became the senior pastor, you know, you always go through highs and lows and all that. But when I became the senior pastor, 120 people on Easter, 1993. Less than 75 people built this this campus here in Hopewell. 75 people, including men, women, children, and ducks. Chickens, 
That's all it was. But they had in mind eternal fruit. Fruit that would outlast their lives. So many of them, my mother included, they're with Jesus now. So many. And now, best we can wrap our heads around it, put, put an, wrap our heads around the number of the Valley family, over 1,400 people that would say, Valley Christian Church is my home. You talk about fruit. My dad's 80 years old now. I'm just so thrilled for him to be here and just to see what God's done. And you know what? I got a lot of, a lot of years left ahead of me. I'm not ready to pass the baton just yet. It's going to be a long time. But, but one day, just like he gave me that baton, I'm going I'm to pass that baton to another leader to lead this church. But you know what? I, I, I want to continue to live my life and build my life that the fruit of my life would far outlive my days on this earth. I've seen that in my father. I've seen that in my mother. That's the way I want to live my life as well. That's the way God wants you to live your life as well. Fruit that remains. I'm so thankful for Melinda, who's been a just an incredible wife and uh, woman of God, right alongside my father for, for over 20 years now. And, and the fruit continues to grow. The fruit just continues to grow. And some of you are going to get the chance to meet my dad for the first time this weekend. And, and uh, you know, he, he's already just blown away, all teary-eyed. And, you know, as he's looking around talking about it and filling him in on what's happening. Just amazing. What a great example. Eternal fruit, fruit produced in others that you influence. Someone asked me, who's the greatest influence in your life? Well, I'm 50 years old. My mother and my father. They're two biggest influences in my life, no doubt about it. Mom's with Jesus in heaven. Dad's still here. And the fruit just continues to go. The fruit of my life is the fruit of their life. The fruit of my life is the fruit of their life. Fruit that remains. Taking that long view. So let me ask you a question. Are you ready to live a fruitful life? God wants your life, my life, to just be juicy fruit. Not dried out fruit, juicy fruit, full of much fruit. The fruit worthy of repentance, fruit in, every, fruit in every good work, filled with the fruit of the Holy Spirit, and fruit reproduced in others that you influence. That we pass it on to those around us. Living a fruitful life, the life that Jesus came to give you and me, that the Holy Spirit wants to cultivate in your life and my life juicy fruit. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, for many of us, we're just becoming more and more aware of what your Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives, his presence that's with us. And so, Lord, I just, we just want to cooperate with the work of your Holy Spirit. Lord, inspire us. Lord, help us not to, to have visions so small that, that that we limit what you want to do in and through our lives. Lord, we thank you for the obedience of those who have gone before us. Lord, I thank you for my mom. I thank you for my dad. Lord, that it wasn't their dream, but they just decided they were going to obey the dream you put in their, in your, in their heart. They were just going to follow as you directed them. And then thank you, Lord. So many of us have been impacted by their lives and continue to be by the fruit of their lives, fruit that remains. And Father, help us to just cooperate with your Holy Spirit that these four levels of fruitfulness would be found in every one of our lives. Thank you, Lord. May it be so. In Jesus' name.
Right now, with every head bowed and eyes closed, I just want to give you an opportunity if you're here right now and you've never taken that first step of fruitfulness, of putting your faith in the hands of Jesus Christ, receiving him as your Lord and Savior. The Bible says if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And so right now, I just want to lead you in a prayer that you can repeat after me. And as you say these words, I just... I invite you to open your heart to Jesus for the first time if you've never done it. And he'll come by his Holy Spirit and live within you and begin that Holy Spirit to cultivate the fruit we've been talking about. Just right now, open your heart to him and repeat these words after me. Heavenly Father, forgive me of my sin. I turn from my sin today and I receive Jesus Christ. Jesus, be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for living for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising from the dead for me. And Jesus, I ask you now, by your Holy Spirit, guide me, lead me, direct me from this day forward. Holy Spirit, cultivate your fruit in my life, and I will follow you. Amen.